Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. As we did last week, we're going to be doing a few more of these, I think, from time to time. A lot of you liked them the last time we did it with respect to Sony's purchase of Bungie, and that is to have live streams that talk about questions and answers regarding one of the big topics that we've covered on the channel. Now, the most recent of those uh, is just a couple of days old, but it did get headlines accidentally, I have to say. Uh, as folks reported on me, a lawyer, uh, lambasting PlayStation and Sony for their pricing schemes with the very highly reviewed, a game that I'm looking forward to, Horizon Forbidden West. So if you haven't checked out that video, you can see the substance of it under this thumbnail in which I did, in fact, provocatively title it Don't Buy Horizon Forbidden West, with, of course, the asterisk saying on PlayStation 5. If you aren't familiar with this story at all, we're going to give you the bullet points just so that we're up to speed for this question and answer session. Uh, but in all honesty, I do these so that I can help clarify, clear up any ambiguities that you might have from my videos or otherwise, because I think anytime you make any kind of video content or other kind of content, there are things that I'm making assumptions on or otherwise speeding past that folks wound up getting hung up on. And if I can offer a little bit of clarity, I would love to do that. So please consider questions. Uh, this is about comments, this is about having a live stream here in virtual legality. I am talking about some new aspects of the law and what has been said about me of late. Not not that kind of thing. Yes, I've gotten some DMs from, from some Sony fans, but we're not going into that in too much detail. Just highlight it with an at Hogue Law. Or of course, we love super chats, but please don't feel obligated to do that in any event. So let's look at my screen. This is the Washington Post article from September of 2020, in which Jim Ryan effectively promised that Horizon Forbidden West would have a free upgrade. Now, there's some arguments about whether he did promise that, whether people misunderstood, but the Washington Post article talked about Horizon, talked about Spider-Man Miles Morales, that they're both releasing PS4 versions. And remember that Sony had, before this point in time, marketed the PlayStation 5 as we believe in generations, as a counterpoint to what Xbox and Microsoft was doing with smart delivery and backwards compatibility, etc. We want you to get the full value of your PlayStation 5 purchase. And so in this context, in 2020, they were going out there and saying, well, you shouldn't be worried. You can get your PlayStation 4 copy. It'll go up to the PlayStation 5 copy and the PlayStation 5 versions will be glorious. You'll love them. And he said the PS5 versions of those games are built from the ground up to take advantage of the PS5 feature set, and we have an upgrade path for PS4 users to get the PS5 versions for free. Now, later on, they would go out with their pre-order system and not have that free upgrade path. And the reason for this is at least a bit understandable. In the pandemic, Horizon Forbidden West slipped way outside of what any reasonable person would consider the launch window for the PlayStation 5. Now, you might say that the pandemic also extended what we should consider a launch window because I know there's a lot of you out there that don't have a PlayStation 5 that would otherwise want one because of scarcity, because of supply issues. So maybe that launch window overall should be concepted out to be a little bit bigger. But we know that Gran Turismo 7 is going to come out. It's going to have a $10 upgrade path, not a free one. And we know that because when they updated their pre-order post, they basically have this last paragraph here that says, this is the last one you get. This is the last one that you'll get for free because they were called out by a lot of folks, including myself on Twitter, uh, et cetera, saying, this is ridiculous. You can't go out with that kind of marketing, sell your PlayStation 5 that way, and then come out later with a pre-order campaign that does this. They say, last year, we made a commitment to deliver free upgrades for our cross-gen launch titles, which included Horizon Forbidden West, which, by the way, should cut off 
any argument that this is mere uh, confusion over what they intended to say. They're admitting it here. Maybe you disagree with them admitting it, but that's what they're doing. While the pandemic's profound impact pushed Forbidden West out of the launch window, there's their defense. We will stand by our offer. Players who purchase Horizon Forbidden West on PlayStation 4 will be able to upgrade to PlayStation 5 for free. Now, I did this video this week because while that is in fact what Sony and PlayStation is doing, it's not at all obvious to basically anyone, right? At the top of their Horizon Forbidden West screen, it says, yeah, you can get this for 70 bucks. Go and get it. And you have to scroll way down here to actually see that you can get the same thing, a PS5 digital version of Horizon Forbidden West for 60 bucks. And worse, they're not showing this option at all, purchasing digitally through the PlayStation 5 store, which I have to believe, I don't claim to be the entire market for everyone, but I have to believe is the most common way to purchase a digital PlayStation 5 game is through the PlayStation store. Uh, and so that isn't even offered through that mechanism. You have to go through this website. You have to go through the app. And so I called them out on it. I did a video that said, hey, people, you just need to know that if you want to save 10 bucks, you can go buy the PlayStation 4 version. And if all you want is a PlayStation 5 digital version, it is there for you. Now, they could play with the licenses, as I've said, and I want to clear that up because people said, well, couldn't this actually be functionally different? Couldn't these packages be different? And indeed, they can. You could look at this and say, well, they intend to convert your PlayStation 4 version to a PlayStation 5 version, at which point you won't have a PlayStation 4 version. That's worth noting if it's important to you to have both. It's entirely unclear whether that is in fact the case here, but even if it is, if you are in the market of PlayStation 5 purchasers that want a digital copy of Horizon Forbidden West on PlayStation 5, that is still available to you for $60. And Sony doesn't want you to know about it and uses confusing, in my opinion, language, even though a number of you on social media have called out my intelligence and questioned my law degree. So I always appreciate that when we talk about these things. And yet, this is the situation. So VGC wound up making me the topic of their article, Lawyer Lambasts Sony for Deceptive Marketing of Horizon's Free PS5 Upgrade. And because of some of the things I said here, this got passed around all over the internet. Uh, you can look this up and see it covered in all sorts of places. I'm half expecting an email or a phone call from Sony any minute now. And we're going to talk about this article, but I do want to answer questions. So before we plunge in there, I did see a super chat. I want to thank you for that. Uh, Gaston Colazzo for $5 Super Chat. Hey, Rich, consider this a down payment for when I need you to bail me out of jail. Yeah, lawyers don't often advance the bail uh, in those kinds of situations, but I do appreciate uh, that Super Chat, although I don't take it as official consideration for a bailout offer. I do apologize, got a lawyer up uh, there, uh, but thank you so much for supporting Virtual Legality. I very much appreciate it. Let's look at some other instances. Again, I'm mostly going to focus on folks that use at Hogue Law. That just pops for me. So if you do have a question, please do that. Uh, at Hogue Law, in my mind, you do a great job. That's all. That's not a question, but I very much appreciate it. Thank you so much. Hi, Hogue Law. This is my first time catching your live stream. We don't do these very often. We are likely to do these more often. This is the fourth year. We just passed the third anniversary of Virtually Gaudi. I want to do a little bit more interacting with what has become a very vibrant and uh, frankly, a uh, very supportive community. Uh, a lot of folks are not coming in to just call me uh, a Sony hater and an Xbox or whatever else they might call me and are otherwise talking about these things as we like to do here with reasonable minds can differ. Disagreement is fantastic. Uh, and when PlayStation does something bad or what I think is bad, I'm going to call them out. I'm going to make a video. And the same thing goes for Microsoft and Nintendo, which you've seen throughout the history of virtual legality. I very much appreciate the kind words. Hi, Hoglaw. 
Uh, it's just a blatant cash grab by Sony taking advantage of gamers. Yeah, you know, I think there's a couple of things here, right? So I actually wouldn't have used the word limbast. I don't get to pick the headlines. I don't know how uh, any of this works behind the scenes. I can tell you when I gave these quotes, uh, if you've followed me at all for any length of time, you know, I give quotes fairly often as background legal analysis for stories of the day to all sorts of outlets. And that's what I thought I was giving quotes on. I didn't actually realize uh, that VGC intended to make uh, me the story here. Uh, so when I give these quotes, I don't get to pick how they're framed. I don't get to pick what the headline is. So I wouldn't call myself lambasting. Uh, I would say I'm calling them out because at bare minimum, I want people to know that it's an option. I think what Sony has done that is so despicable to me from my eye is that if you don't know this, if you're not following the news cycle here, if you're not pulling Washington Post articles or a blog post now from September of last year to realize that a PlayStation 4 option has a PlayStation 5 upgrade and you just sit down in front of your PlayStation 5, I don't think you'd know that it exists. Uh, and I think reasonable people in a lot of circumstances would say, hey, I would pay 60 if I knew I could pay 60 and not 70. We'll talk about some of the cons uh, to that approach as well. But I think ultimately what happened here is that Sony didn't really have a great technical solution for the PlayStation 4 to PlayStation 5 transition. You see it across all sorts of games and how you upgrade those games, how you don't upgrade those games, whether it's a pass, whatever it does, both in first party and third party titles. So I think that this is a function of our plan was to ultimately have a $10 upgrade pass to go from PlayStation 4 to PlayStation 5. We got called out on it because Jim Ryan went out with a national publication and said it'll be free. So we made it free, but we're still using the system as if it were $10 because, hey, if it were $10, nobody would actually care about not being able to see the PlayStation 4 version, right? It would be the same. It's 60 plus 10 is 70. I'll just pay 70 up front. Nobody actually cares about that particular item. Nobody's calling them duplicitous, like some lawyers that are reported on in that context. And so they didn't change their structure for, hey, it's free now. That actually makes a difference. Also, we want to charge $70 for PlayStation 5 games and $60 for PlayStation 4 games. Now, some of you have asked me, <clears throat> why not just raise the price of the PlayStation 4 title, which they of course could have. But remember the PlayStation 4 audience is a lot bigger than the PlayStation 5 audience right now. And that would be a shock to the system, to the PlayStation 4 economy, to have this new game be $70 instead of 60. So I believe behind the scenes, they went and they evaluated what it was that they were gonna do with this. And they came up with this plan, which was the plan if it had a $10 upgrade pass, and said, well, this will be fine. Nobody will care. And we don't want to raise it to $70 on the PlayStation 4 because we think we'll get a lot of negative press. We think that'll harm the amount of money that we can make through that PlayStation 4 ecosystem. So this is what we've decided to do. And for the most part, you could see this coming. You could see this issue coming since last September when they originally tried to do the upgrade pass. And then it appears they were just going to do it anyway, just with a $0 price point instead of $10. And I mentioned this on Twitter and on social media for a couple of months now with a lot of folks yelling at me because console warriors are console warriors, but I'm going to talk about these things regardless of whatever console is doing them, even though I have a PlayStation 5. Love my PlayStation 5. I have an Xbox Series X. Love that too. I have these systems because I love the video game industry, but that doesn't mean these corporations can't do wrong. So I don't know if it's a blatant cash grab. I think some of it's infrastructural. I think some of it is actually a blind spot in corporate decision-making. Um, and that kind of goes along with the next thing I wanted to point out, which is a number of you came into the video and said, hey, Rick, I bought the PlayStation 4 version, like you said, 
how do I update it to the PlayStation 5 version? And I said, well, the way this has worked uh, in the PlayStation 5 era here is that you can't see any of those kinds of upgrades or discounts or pathways until the game actually launches, which was confirmed by PlayStation today. Here's a tweet from a Mark Blundahl. I pre-ordered the standard edition of Horizon Forbidden West with the free PS5 upgrade, but on my PS5, I can only download the PS4 version. There doesn't seem to be a way to download the correct version. Ask PlayStation answers. Glad to clarify. The game needs to be released for you to be able to upgrade it to the PlayStation 5. You'll need to follow the steps here on this Byzantine help page. Any further questions? Let us know. I have questions, Sony. Why did you devise a system that allows you to preload a game on a specific system in a license upgrade that you know that that player owns? Every PlayStation 4 purchaser of Horizon has that free upgrade pathway and not consider that they might want to exercise it on the download at the same time as they're preloading the PlayStation 4 version. Oh, well. So there is a penalty here, effectively, and Forbes winds up warning you about that this morning. Warning, buying the PlayStation 4 Horizon Forbidden West version for PS5 has pros and cons. Pros, you save $10 or 16.67% jump up in price from the $60 original at the PlayStation 4 level. Cons, Sony's backend isn't going to let you actually use that upgrade until the game officially launches. So if you wanted to preload it and play it at midnight or whenever your release time is, you're not going to be able to do that, which is unfortunate, right? You want to be able to play this thing as soon as you can if you're that kind of player. Now, it's not the biggest deal in the world to me. Uh, I'll probably still get the PlayStation 4 version and I will get it and I will download it whenever it's available to me and move it over to the PlayStation 5. Uh, but it does make things more frictionful, right? If you're keeping score at home, this is a company that was cowed effectively by public demand to actually honor the obligations they put forth of their own volition in a national publication in an effort to sell PlayStation 5s. And they are doing their level best to make it as frictionful as possible. You can't order it from your PlayStation 5. You got to go through an app or a web store with which you might be unfamiliar. If you do get that, you can't have preloads. So all of this kind of comes together to me to look at a company that I think is just mostly technically incompetent on this kind of stuff, but certainly winds up looking like they're trying to take 10 extra dollars from you. They don't mind if they do. And that can add up. The other thing you're seeing on social media and on uh, various journalistic outlets as well is, yeah, it's $10, right? You spend $10 or more on a Fortnite skin. But presumably when you do that, you, you get the Fortnite skin and it's not five or 15 for the same skin and they don't tell you about the five, right? That's the issue here is that kind of duplicity, that obfuscation. Uh, and I say that not as the final arbiter of what's deceptive or not. In fact, we've got a quote in this VGC article where I say exactly that. This is why you hate lawyers is I say, Things like, things like deceptive or unfair practices are always a bit in the eye of the beholder. So while I can say that I personally feel like this kind of thing crosses the line and appears deceptive on its face, I cannot guarantee that a regulator like the FTC or a judge would feel the same way. As we talk about extensively in virtual legality, a lot of this stuff is effectively ambiguous. And so when we talk about deceptive, what is deceiving? I would argue that sitting in front of your PlayStation 5, not having your ear to the ground on all these various outlets and what they're doing with pricing and saying, hey, I guess it's 70 bucks, I'll pay 70 bucks, is deceptive when the company is also offering you that product for $60 just in a way that you can't see. So let's continue with a couple of other questions if we have them. 
First things first, how are you today? I appreciate that, Don Lionheart. I'm well today. Uh, we're preparing for an ice storm here in Michigan, so that's always fun. February in uh, the upper Midwest, it's a, it's a great time here in the United States. But otherwise, business is good. Channel's doing great, thanks to folks like you and sharing it around. Share this around, by the way, since this was so impromptu. I, I don't really have a lot of lead time up to talking about these things. I have to fit them into my workday and work at the firm. Uh, but I'm I'm really well. Looking forward to Horizon. Uh, I'm interested in trying out uh, the Cyberpunk next-gen releases. Uh, it really feels to me like that game actually released this week. Uh, so I'll be interested in checking that out a little bit more, maybe over the weekend. So I think there's a lot of things to look forward to. And uh, if you don't know, I'm a huge strategy gamer, and I'm very much looking forward to Triangle Strategy coming out in the top of March. I've been playing that demo uh, and enjoying it as well. So thank you for the question. I have no complaints whatsoever as of this day. Ask me another day. I'll have plenty of complaints. Uh, at Hoglaw, this situation became even more interesting as people who chose to buy the PS4 version will have to wait until the release date. Yeah, and I think I just covered that. Uh, is that a tactic or incompetence? I really do think it's technical issues. Uh, and once the plan was to do this upgrade pass, it was always going to be 10 bucks. It really didn't matter that much. If you wanted the PlayStation 5 version, you'd just get that version. Uh, and whatever backend cost it would have taken them to change things up here, they didn't want to spend. And they apparently don't mind looking like they're trying to take an extra $10 from those that are uninformed. Will that come back to bite them? I don't know. One of the things I mentioned in another context, I believe it was on Twitter, is that this is not the first time this kind of thing has happened, especially with upgrades and the launch date. If you were to look at, and I can't remember what the subtitle is, I apologize, but the collection of Uncharted remasters, uh, Uncharted 4 and Legacy of Thieves, before it launched, you would have seen it at full price. I, I want to say it was $40. And I believe you could have spent that $40 actually getting that copy of the game. Uh, but if you knew what Sony had marketed, that if you owned either of uh, Legacy of Thieves or Uncharted 4, that it would be an upgrade path of $10, you could wait. And once it launched, it would show up as $10 for you. Now, I don't know how many people might have purchased it at the full price that otherwise would have been entitled to the $10. This is a problem with their system. And, you know, if a class action lawyer or law firm were to look at this and decide to go after them, that's the kind of additional evidence and additional pot they might be going after. It would be anybody that pre-ordered a game that was otherwise entitled to some kind of benefit that Sony was hiding the ball on, right? Because the subheadline here, and this is what was picked up on the internet the most, is Hoglaw Attorney, which I love, says situation could present a possibility of a class action claim. And again, this was a response to, does this present a possibility of a class action claim? So fair enough. Uh, but I essentially said, as I mentioned in the video, you can definitely look at what has been presented and believe that material information, the ability to get a copy of Horizon for $60, is being deliberately withheld or obfuscated by Sony and the PS5 store presentation. And if consumers knew they could play Horizon on PS5 for $60, many would make that election instead of paying $70. So $10 of potentially ill-gotten gains. I do think that this kind of thing could present a possibility of a class action claim. Many individual states, not to mention jurisdictions outside the U.S. Remember, there are places outside the United States that Sony has to worry about where they're selling this game into, have deceptive trade practice statutes that allow for civil actions. And it wouldn't be surprising to see a request for plaintiffs coming from a class action firm on something like this, though it will depend on those firms' analysis of what they think they can get out of a possible payday, right? And I said, even taking Horizon Zero Dawn's 20 million sold number and applying $10 to it, which isn't realistic, given the number of sales that will be made on the PS4 directly, has the lawyers fighting over only $200 million for the whole class, out of which their fees have to come. So they'll be looking to see if the bottom line number is enough to fight over. 
And I do think plaintiff's class action firms probably looking at this kind of thing. I do think it's the kind of thing that could potentially find you in trouble and bare minimum get some kind of settlement out of Sony. Will will that happen? I don't know. Not a class action plaintiff's attorney, uh, but it is the kind of set of events that we've seen analyzed by those lawyers in the past. So VGC went out with this. I got a lot of notes about this in my email and on my DMs. Uh, and I think all of this should be taken with a grain of salt. I don't know whether a class action will pop up. I don't think the FTC would likely move on it because gaming is, again, pretty low on their totem pole of things that they have to deal with. And they've got a lot on their plate right now, as we've already talked about with respect to Microsoft and Activision. But it is worth noting, and Sony is walking a fine line with some of this stuff. And if somebody wanted to make trouble for them, I think they could uh, if that was their desire. At Hoag Law, this is sad for the developers who have clearly made a great game. Yeah, the reviews on this are absolutely fantastic. This is one of the highest rated games in a while. I've talked in virtual reality in the past about not adoring Horizon Zero Dawn. I think it's got pacing issues. Some of those seem to have been fixed. Some of the reviews talk about more compelling side quests, better pacing, more uh, interesting storyline. If that's true, I would be thrilled because I have no problem with the actual game. And certainly it's one of the prettier games uh, made on any system today. Uh, but... I'm going to wait with bated breath and see how I feel about it, especially since much of the science fiction uh, answers were given in Zero Dawn, to their credit. Uh, and so it'll be unclear to me exactly what is the compelling kind of storyline uh, for Forbidden West. But I'm looking forward to it. They clearly made a game uh, that a lot of people are going to enjoy, whether I do or not, is kind of inconsequential. Uh, and yeah, this is kind of a little blemish on that. I believe Forbes actually talks about that at the front. Let's see here. Um a game that's getting great reviews that everyone is looking forward to play, but a situation has arisen that is confusing gamers and speaks to the heart of a big change uh, that Sony has apparently tried to do. And I, I think that uh, maybe Forbes is the wrong article for it, but that someone has said essentially this is a blemish. This is a little bit of uh, something that makes this does not feel as good. And certainly I can understand that. I felt the same way about some other Sony stuff for some other launches where they were doing some legal things and some marketing things that I didn't love. And that tends to make you feel a little bit bad about enjoying the product that they make, otherwise buying it uh, and supporting them in that fashion. Uh, so I get that. I think there's a little bit of tarnishment here. Uh, even though I, perfect world, there wouldn't be. This is Sony as publisher doing things. Gorilla shouldn't be you know, harmed for that, but I certainly understand why uh, that might well happen. And I think that's everything I've got from at Hogue Law type questions. So please do uh, put those in super chats at Hogue Law. Otherwise I will answer those uh, when I can. Uh, the other things that people really ask me about, let's see if I can find where I actually put that. You don't need any of that. Uh, <laughs> let's close those. Um, is uh, that a number of folks are just happy to spend $10. And I want to make clear to people, I don't have a problem with you selecting to spend 10 extra dollars. I have a bit of a problem with you defending it as the only moral thing to do or that others shouldn't complain about the $10, but I don't have an issue. If you understand the situation, you understand that it's $70 to get it directly on PlayStation 5. You could have gone the PlayStation 4 route and you have a reason for doing it. Hey, I want a physical edition in a steel case that says PlayStation 5. Hey, I want to be able to preload the thing. I think Sony's holding a bit of a gun to your head in that particular instance, but that's okay as well. I am more concerned about the people that don't even know that it's an option. And I think Sony has, in some places, done its level best to, at bare minimum, make it a little bit unclear that you have that option. Especially for folks that are going online and saying, hey, I got the PlayStation 4 version. Where in the heck is my PlayStation 5 upgrade? And Sony knows this is the way it works. And Sony's out there on Twitter telling people this is the way it works. 
but it's entirely unclear. It almost feels like a leap of faith. It feels like one of those instances where a Wario 64 or someone else on social media has some kind of pricing error and you're hoping that the license goes through. And that's not really what's happening here. This is a legitimate sale from Sony. They're just trying to make it as difficult as possible. So understand going forward, if you want to advocate for $70 games, totally fine. If the market can support that, that's okay. If you want to advocate for yourself paying $70 for reason X, Y, or Z, totally fine. But for others, you have to understand that it's important to be able to look at these platforms, these hardware manufacturers, not just in video games, but in all kinds of consumer-facing industries. And even if you love them, even if you have a PlayStation t-shirt that you wear every day and PlayStation wallpaper on your bedroom wall, it's still okay to say, hey, you guys did this wrong. Because I'll tell you what, there isn't a company on God's green earth that hasn't made a mistake and done something wrong. We're only a generation removed from Microsoft going down TV alley and finding themselves with absolutely no consumer base and having to rectify that as they move forward from there. Microsoft, not perfect. Nintendo, only a generation removed from the Wii U. Bad choices were made trying to sell that to the public and certainly they've made up for it with the Switch. But you can comment on these things. You're not going to lose your credit as a fan of that brand. It's important to do so and to hold those folks accountable. Oh, and I think we have another super chat. Gecko Gamer, 10 euros. Thank you so much for the super chat. All of these are very generous. I very much appreciate them. Hey, Hogue, will you do a video about the ongoing incident in F1 racing? The, the race cars? Due to the last race where the safety car was ended prematurely, which decided the champion and now also cost the race director his job. Wow, I was thinking about doing a Super Bowl video based on how much I hated the refing at the end of that game, but I didn't know anything about this on F1. So safety car is supposed to set safety laps and uh, max speeds and things like that. I, you're going to have to help me with the specifics here. I, I do research on the videos that I, I make, um, and there was a fault in the way that this was used, and the rules actually wound up with a champion being changed, which is wild to me. In general, though, sports not being law, in the United States, they basically just say, eh, we got that wrong, but what can you do? Once it has happened, once we have ruled, uh, it's over. Uh, and I, I've seen that very often in American sports, right? I, as a Detroit Tigers fan, we actually had uh, a perfect game thrown by a pitcher, which is uh, essentially no walks and no hits. Uh, and the very last batter was called safe on a play that was very self-evidently not safe. And you have video uh, of the umpire that called it at the end crying and saying he's so sorry that he cost this pitcher a perfect game because it's such a rarity in baseball. But as it stands, it wasn't changed at all in that regard. They, they didn't go back and call it a perfect game. I think there's a plaque calling it the imperfect game in certain places. And that's the nature of sports. So you'll see me on social media railing against things like the Super Bowl and the refs and what they did there. Uh, but very often you can't walk those things back. If there is a separate thing in F1, um, that would be interesting. And I'll, I'll do some research on it. It's fascinating. That kind of stuff I really enjoy. So I'll look at it. And if there's a video there, I'll do it. But I, I cannot make guarantees. Uh, thank you so much for the super chat in any event. Um, and yeah. So we can take a look if there's anything else that I have missed here. Mostly I wanted to talk about these various aspects of class action, about spending the $10 on your own, the $70 being the purchase price of PlayStation 5 games, what deceptive marketing is. Uh, I, I did like this comment that was talking about a company, I believe it's in Canada, that says their tagline is, it tastes awful and it works. Uh, and they just decided not to like make their medicine taste better. And they this is their honest uh, advertising, which I love. 
Um, and I think I said that. I think I said love it. Yeah. Uh, so there are ways to advertise around these things. I, I, I want to give Sony the benefit of the doubt. I think essentially that their systems have tripped them up on this kind of stuff. Uh, but uh, it certainly is to their benefit to be tripped up on this kind of stuff. And it doesn't matter if you go up in front of a regulator or potentially a judge or a jury and say, look, it would have cost us too much to fix it. So we just went out this direction. And hey, if it made us an extra $50 million, uh, what's what's $10 really, right? Uh, And that's probably not gonna hold water if they found themselves in that position. So I can understand how you can get there from the technical side of things and what we've seen from the PlayStation 5 so far. Uh, But yeah, it just doesn't do much for me. And you can see me in various other places saying, I don't brook deception just because it's too expensive to fix. Um, So I think that's about it from this set of questions. Um, If you have anything more for me, this is the time when I'm going to just look at the chat uh, and uh, and talk to you all about what's going on here. Let's see if I can remember the buttons here. Oh, yeah. Look at that. I'm bigger now. Um, So let's see. At Hoglaw, not related to Sony. But is the news about Activision being denied the motion to dismiss temporary workers significant? Yes, it was one of the possibilities that I was going to cover uh, here in virtual reality. I, I think it's just a skosh too technical and not terribly interesting long term. Uh, so I've, I've always struggled with, OK, I've got something that would take five minutes to talk to you about. That's an important update to a story that I'm covering, but I don't have a ton extra to add and how that should be treated in this channel. So I might cover it because I do think it's useful for folks that are following it through those playlists and things to know that. Uh, But if you haven't been following that story, um, about a month, I wanna say, into the Department of Fair Employment and Housing at California's complaint against Activision, they changed the language of their complaint from just being about employees to also including, I believe the phrase they use is temporary and contingent workers. Activision objected to this, said, hey, you've been investigating us for a long time. You never talked to us about anything regarding temporary or contingent workers. We didn't provide documentation for that. This shouldn't be added to this complaint. If you want to do this, it needs to be a separate complaint, et cetera, et cetera. And the judge just recently ruled on the allowance for the state of California to include those temporary and contingent workers, effectively on the premise that the complaint document sufficiently alleges that Activision has control over the way those workers operate on a day-to-day. Um, And I think that's probably right from what I could find in uh, the precedential materials that are cited by the court, specifically in California. And the important part of that kind of discussion, this is why it was almost a video, as you can probably tell just from this conversation, is that California takes a broader view of what is and is not an employee uh, working for an employer. And with that breadth of view, it's easier for someone to argue, in this case, the state of California itself, that a contract worker, somebody that works through an employee leasing agency or a temporary worker is not a contractor, but is instead an employee that is entitled to protection under these various different laws. So as of right now, the group of people that are eligible to potentially receive funds, redress from Activision has increased to not just be full-time employees, but employees that are operating on contract on either a temporary or contingent basis. And that has ramifications for things outside of Activision as well. There are a lot of tech companies in California, a lot of game companies in California that operate on a contractor basis, leased employees, things moving around a lot. And if that is going to be the standard moving forward, and this is a pretty early stages, this isn't a precedent or anything, this is just the defeat of a demurrer application, 
then those tech companies have to take notice. So there is reason to follow this as it stands right now from our perspective here in virtual reality. It means it's a win for the state of California. It's a bigger class than it otherwise would have been. And that means a bigger possibility of discovery as well moving forward. It's still well away from having anything answered about it. We did get a date preliminarily of when this court case might actually go in. And I believe it's sometime early spring 2023. So we're a long way away from that. Discovery would be a very long-term process. Activision may want to settle. Microsoft may want to settle if their purchase actually concludes before all of that happens. And that's what we're looking at going forward. So might still do a small video. Again, if, if you want to leave a comment to either this video or another one, uh, talk to me about how you might like to see essentially small updates done. I think you've seen it in this space where I gather them up and I do like six or eight small updates in one video. Uh, I've been kind of trying to figure that out throughout the history of the channel. I very much appreciate the question. At Hoag Law, I didn't know if it was addressed already, but your audio is kind of low, bud. Um, I can't fix that as of right now. It doesn't look like I've got my microphone set at maximum. Uh, so... Uh, turn me up right this second, and then I will check on it after this video, and I will correct it for the next one. Thank you for letting me know. Um, oh, David Wu with a $15 super chat. Thank you very much uh, for your generosity on YouTube's reluctance to help its creators. Do you think YouTube has a blind spot? Or given current lack of competitors as a pure self-interested business, do YouTube's choices make sense? Well, just by saying YouTube that many times is likely to get me reviewed by someone over at YouTube HQ. They very much do not like it uh, when you have them as the subject matter of their videos. You can actually see certain aspects of your uh, analytics get pushed down and things like that. It's interesting. Um, I would say it's twofold, right? You've got YouTube, massive success. YouTube, part of a bigger company, big tech company in Google, uh, and they have certain aspects of everything that they want done the way that they want it done. Uh, and so I think YouTube legitimately has some true believers within its confines that want to do things like censor misinformation as determined by them to enhance authoritative sources. And yes, from a profit motivation standpoint, to work more specifically for those content creators that make them the most money, which for the most part is big institutional legacy media, trailers, what have you, that go and make millions of views versus, you know, whatever this will get. We got... 200 viewers, which is amazing. So thank you so much for checking it out. Please do like, subscribe, share it around, do all that stuff. Got to add the YouTuber spiel. Uh, but I think they have a mix of that true believer and the profit motivation. And they like a little bit more government regulation than some others might like. You might have seen, and I, I think I put this up on Twitter yesterday, that YouTube has talked about essentially asking governments to regulate it more so that it can know what speech it can get rid of. And you might say, well, why would any corporation want to have more regulation? The answer to that is it helps competition, right? YouTube's primary access for competitors right now is we're not gonna censor you as much. We're not going to do various things. We're not gonna act arbitrarily with terms of service. You see that from Odyssey, you see that from Rumble. These are places that I'm evaluating copying my videos on uh, because YouTube often does feel so tenuous. If you haven't been in virtual legality for a while, you might not know I received a, a strike warning um, which is essentially the, you did something really bad uh, last year for a video I had done a year before because the bots had trolled through my back category and decided that this term that I had used, which is an organization that starts with a letter, 
of some specificity was disinformation. They actually called it cyberbullying and harassment uh, in that particular context. And I went off on them. I said, you can't put up a note on a video from a law firm, from a lawyer that says this person, uh, this video was removed for cyberbullying and harassment, that that's effectively defamatory. And I explained that to them and I talked to them at length uh, in my answer. They wound up taking that off and restoring the video and I don't have a warning anymore, but that was very eye-opening to me at the time to say, look, they, they can do whatever they want. And it's not just the stuff you're doing right now. I am fully, fully sure that every video that I've made is in compliance with the terms of service as they existed when I made them. But if they change them tomorrow and then they say, well, let's go look at 630 some odd videos of virtual reality, chances are I am not necessarily compliant with terms that didn't exist at the time that I made those videos. So I think YouTube wants to be righteous. They, they feel very righteous when they make these kinds of decisions. They don't want to compete on the grounds of free speech or censorship or that particular conversation. So they do talk to the government at length through their CEO or otherwise to potentially see how that can be modified. Uh, and I think at the end of the day, uh, they don't really care so much about the folks that aren't making them that much money. They would rather con maintain that control and, rather than give it up just to be the free speech platform or what have you. And that's their choice as a business before we get into whether they're a state actor and governments and things like that. That's their choice and I respect them for it. I've talked about their terms of service and how they reserve in their contract the right to remove any video for basically any reason that they want. And yet it is fraught, it's perilous, right? Anybody that actually makes their livelihood on here uh, is taking that on themselves. And certainly as I have spent more and more time making YouTube videos, virtual legality uh, and at the expense of a little bit more time developing clients, otherwise running the law firm, I have become more and more sensitive to that going forward. So great question. Thank you so much for asking. And of course, thank you so much uh, for the super chat. Do you happen to follow any esports scene currently from afar? Uh, you know, they're actually, esports operates like big time sports with agents and contracts and things like that. So when something hits my uh, inbox, uh, some people flag that for me or otherwise just crosses my screen, I do look at it. Uh, but there tends to be very specific contract law, very specific things in that nature. And I haven't covered, I don't think any esports things with any specificity uh, in some time. Uh, but again, most of virtual legality is what do I find interesting? What do I think I can add insight for? And then I, I am taking under advisement a lot, folks pinging me with news stories. So if you do have something that you wanna see covered, DM me on Twitter, email me, leave a comment. I do try to read most of them. We're getting to a size where I don't read all of them, but I. I do try, uh, and I certainly take under advisement what people seem to be asking for, including this very video is essentially a response to a lot of people, you know, either criticizing me or otherwise asking questions about what the message of this kind of thing actually is. At Hogue Law, oh, we went a little too fast there. People keep on forgetting that $10 makes a huge difference, especially if you live outside the United States. That is totally fair. Actually, if you go through the comments to my video, one of the things you will see is that that separation is even more significant in a bunch of different jurisdictions. And I can't even fathom paying that amount of money. Of course, there are uh, various currency differences that mean that amount of money is not the same uh, in the United States, but certainly there are add-ons that happen in international jurisdictions. And so that difference alone is a more significant amount of money than you might be giving it credit for. So definitely take that under advisement. Great comment. Uh, at Hogla, a class action lawsuit against Sony in the Netherlands is quite likely as there are quite a few investor groups that use those lawsuits to generate money also due to Gorilla being Dutch. Now, Gorilla doesn't appear, I wouldn't think, 
to be in charge of this decision-making, but it is totally fair. And again, I don't think that it is uh, a leap of faith that plaintiffs' class action firms in various jurisdictions will be evaluating this. We'll look at this and say, well, can we find a plaintiff? Can we represent this? This is the kind of thing that looks bad for the Sonys of the world and that you might be able to get even a quick settlement from uh, because of how bad it looks. So I, I have no question that it's being evaluated. My question is primarily whether they wind up actually litigating something uh, that may or may not happen uh, going forward. Uh, at Hogue Law, your audio sounds perfectly clear to me on my phone. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, you know, I've got us in the mid-yellow, low-green band here, uh, but I always do try to uh, be responsive to those kinds of things. I appreciate the update on the audio. I'll check it after the video, certainly. Um, at Hogue Law, is it true that China limits the investment in their country from the U.S.? And here in the U.S., they can buy whatever they want. Really do not like that Tencent is buying everything. Well, whatever they want is probably a little bit too strong. Um, as I've talked about in other spaces, Different jurisdictions control all sorts of aspects of who can invest in their jurisdictions, who can own a company, who can run a company, who can be on the board of directors of a company. And the United States is perhaps a little bit more laissez-faire than some of those jurisdictions. But China is you know, one of the more authoritarian countries on earth. I, I don't think it's any surprise uh, for me to say that. And so, yes, they take additional controls. They have more hoops to jump through. Uh, but if you want to invest in China, generally you can. I've had a number of clients actually do that. Um, and so, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if you could, uh, as well, uh, hang on a second, have to cough. Let's see if that muting worked. Uh, but otherwise I think that, um, you can probably invest in China if you can get the right people on board, if you can get the right contacts and yeah, sometimes uh, if you can talk to the right folks in various different jurisdictions. Uh, so it's true that it's, there's more hoops in other jurisdictions, uh, but it's also true that you can't just buy anything that you want in the United States. All right, and I think that's the end of questions, which is pretty good because my throat has just decided to die on me. I do apologize for that. So I'll, I'll do a couple more minutes here, um, and then I, uh, I think I'm going to have to run uh, because I don't want to just be hacking all over uh, this particular video. Uh, at Hogue Law, another Sony controversy is Martha is dead. Yep. Video here, I don't know if I can actually pull that up because I don't have that ready. Uh, but there's a part to this no one is paying attention to. Despite coming to Xbox and the Switch, you can only pre-order the game on PlayStation. Yeah, I mean, I talked about Martha is Dead. This is part of the reason why I got so many uh, nasty grams, I think, is because the Martha is Dead video uh, was immediately before the Don't Buy Horizon Forbidden West on PS5 video. Um, and I don't have it in for Sony. I just think they've made some interesting decisions. Uh, on these various things. And I think that's the same for Microsoft or Nintendo. Uh, but certainly it being only pre-orderable on the PlayStation is interesting. I, I, I tend to think that at least some of this is happening, not just because of Sony being overly conservative about what it wants censored, but also because it appears to be the only place that you can buy it on disc. I, I did do a brief check of various storefronts. It looks like the PlayStation 4 uh, and five version is the only one that's in hard copy. That can be a part of the story as well. I'm paying attention to it to see if there's any updates uh, that need to be done. Uh, but certainly that's, uh, that's one of the things that could potentially be another aspect of the story. Authoritarian, that's putting it mildly. I, you know, I, I have to say, I'm not a foreign policy expert, uh, but yeah, China is authoritarian. Uh, it's, it's no surprise to anybody. Uh, this is why Game Pass is so good, uh, China Investment Advice, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Okay. So 
this has been virtual legality me answering some questions about uh one of the big videos today please like you did before in the sony buying bungie uh conversation leave a comment if you like this format i, I always want to get feedback what could change what could be different uh what you might like to see uh going forward with this kind of thing i intend to do more live streams um probably with a better lighting rig at some point but to be honest folks this is just the dark gray michigan winter light uh that you're getting uh it uh, i love my state i love it to death i wouldn't i wouldn't change it for anything but winters are, are dark and gray they just are um, last question. Are you excited for Elden Ring? Uh, kind of, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not the biggest souls guy, um, but I like them. Um, and so I'm interested to see how they deal with open world, uh, as an aspect of that kind of game, because I often find that open world pacing can be a problem. We just talked about it with respect to Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, so I'll be interested to see how they handle it with Elden Ring. I'm certainly getting it. Uh, but yeah, I think the, the thing I'm most looking forward to in the next couple of weeks is Triangle Strategy. Uh, I'm just a big, big fan of uh, that graphics engine. I really enjoyed Octopath Traveler. Big fan of Final Fantasy Tactics back in the day. Uh, so that's probably what's on the top of my hit list uh, right now. Um, okay, uh, big question. YouTube, Law Family, how do you find the time to do it all? Uh, I was just talking to my wife about this. In general, I think oftentimes one thing has to fall by the wayside on a given day, and then you try to make up for it with a different thing falling by the wayside on a different day. Uh, but the truth is I love this stuff. I love having these conversations. I love having a space, uh, frankly, where what interests me, what excites me, what I think I can add analysis to is known enough that people then comment on, have those discussions. And I think hopefully uh, it, when, I'm, when I'm really feeling positive about this, we're adding a space on the internet uh, that can have some awesome conversations about some awesome topics. So I love doing this. I, you know, I've been a lawyer for 17 years now. I love doing that. I love dealing with my clients. I love helping them realize their dreams. And of course, I love my family. I couldn't be happier with them. Uh, so it's just a matter of finding the time. Some days it's games that go by the wayside and you just go straight to bed. Uh, but that's okay, because usually that's a pretty good day. So thanks everybody. Leave those comments, uh, likes, uh, whatever else. I, I very much appreciate it. And I will definitely catch you on the next episode of Virtual Legality.